Welcome to a Gem of a Secret podcast. My name's Donna. And my name is Coco Gem Holiday. How are you doing tonight, Coco? Um, I'm kind of frustrated a little yeah. bit. Um, you know, it's funny because like I wasn't frustrated before we started doing our research for this episode. Yeah. Um, but now I'm frustrated. So I'm doing frustrated tonight. Oh, yeah. I, I'm definitely feeling the same way. I have been frustrated since last night when the news broke and yeah. talking with some co-workers about it today too um who are specifically affected by it because they are women and um just increased that frustration um so yeah and absolutely because the the reality of the situation is is last night or actually in the last couple of days or however you know a brief got leaked i'm not yeah. sure which site got got it first but politico the, Politico, I think it mm-hmm. was Politico. Uh, the Supreme Court of these United States, there's an initial draft yeah. talking about Roe v. Wade and overturning possibly it. overturning it yeah. um, because um, of constitutional precedence. Now, before we get too far into that discussion, Donna, what are you wearing this I've aiming? Well, I'm actually just a golden brick because I the Met Gala theme last night, which they're trying to distract us with with this news, was the mm. Gilded Age, and uh, I'm a brick because I'm ready to riot. Um, I am dressed as um, Offred from The Handmaid's Tale. Oh yeah, fitting. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't read the article first. I just thought that this outfit um, <laughs> made sense for today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just it's just feeling like those times are happening it does feel like those times are upon us so also what a time to start forcing women to giving birth right now like with the world that we're living in yeah absolutely absolutely Mm -hmm. actually and um i know we have a lot of portland listeners on this podcast so we will reference women a lot because they are the majority of childbearing individuals however we know not just women can bear children yes so not to offend anybody and we can use they and them as much as we can but we also want to talk about the attack on women in general when it comes to laws like these yes um donna and i are people who were not born with the ability to have children mm-hmm. so we do understand that our voices in this matter should not be as loud as those who are deeply affected but as this podcast has always done we're giving you our opinions on national information yeah and i encourage you to follow um influencers who are more affected by this issue and are speaking out on it currently absolutely um definitely you know look at for people who are who are talking about these things um but we're gonna go into why this is also very much so a queer issue in this episode yeah absolutely so um we'll do just a little bit of what happened so basically there are now protests happening all over the country yeah and actually just as a side note i didn't actually look to see if there were any i actually don't have anything going on tonight there might be some protests tonight that we could maybe go join if we wanted yeah. to. I definitely, I mean, I already told my boyfriend, I was like, will you worry about me if I go out and protest? <laughs> and he's like, of course I'll worry about you. I was like, but will you like try to keep me from protesting? And he was like, no, of course not. He's like, go out and protest. He's yeah. like, I support you 100%. Yeah, I actually, yeah, I agree. I w- mm-hmm. Maybe after this episode, I'll look to see if there's any online protests online and hopefully not get arrested since we're talking about it on a public forum. Um, <laughs> well, you know what? We have to organize somehow. So. Yeah. Because Abs- here's the thing. Like, so me and Donna have been we've organized, we've demonstrated, we have protested, we've rallied, we've rioted partially 
Like we've done the whole nine yards and Mm -hmm. the thing about it, it does, it really does matter. And I've said on this podcast before, like rights were given to people usually because of something terrible happening. Like, and I always reference the Stonewall riots. People always say that like peaceful demonstrations will create change in the world, but that's not always true. No, Like that first punch or slap or rock or brick or however the history is being told um, started a riot. And yes, nobody died at Stonewall, but still that's like what they kind of mark the change for, um, you know, queer people in general. Well, what normally happens too is like when really radical movements like this occur, you have a lot of liberals that will co-opt it and try and make it nothing but a symbol rather than a movement with momentum. Ooh. And it's, I mean, you see it today with Black Lives Matter and you've yeah. seen it with um, Pride too. Look at how, you know, corporate everything is now. Yeah. It's like you have businesses with these signs in their windows. Like it, it's just become a symbol rather than something that really had momentum behind it. Like it when it first started. Yeah. I know that it actually feels like it's been really commercialized too. But like mm-hmm. at the same time, I think that there's, I think it's, actually it's both. I love seeing a BLM poster in someone's window, even if, and I will fight any activists on this point. I do like going into a place that has a rainbow flag. One of the bars we're working at right now is actually a straight bar, but it has rainbow flag with the trans and then the black and brown stripe on it. Yeah. And then I do like going into venues that have the Black Lives Matter sticker on it because it gives me like a tick of safety. Yeah. And like we still live in a world that's very unsafe for lots of different minority groups. So mm-hmm. I like it for that reason. But I do hate that like it's been thrown in our faces so much that people are starting to kind of ignore what those messages mean. Well, yeah, even the people that are putting the signs up are, you know, it, I think it's the same as putting, you know, BLM in your bio. And I mean, I have I have BLM in my bio. So that's the thing. I also want people to know, though, too, that, you know, I am going to do my best to be a safe person in these causes, you know. I'd rather have somebody being a touch performative if they mean it. Yeah. Even if they... If it's sincere. Well, uh, yeah, if if sincere is a good word, but I just even kind of mean a little bit less than that. Like, if they're like... I believe in this message. Mm-hmm. I might suck and consistently be problematic, and this is a little bit performative, but you said it correctly. Like, I kind of want you to think of me as a safe person, even if yeah. I don't get it right. I love yeah. that aspect of it a lot, actually. And I've been, I've been really thinking about that a lot since we talked about this. I it might have oh we did talk about it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, about the performativeness of that in the bio. Yeah. Um. Gosh, wow, we right into that strain over there. But like, <laughs> so back to women. Yes, yeah, back to back to Roe versus Wade, and you know um, how people are going to be affected by this. Um, so the draft opinion, uh, you have it pulled up right now. Yeah. What are some of the specifics that we took out of it? So it is ninety-eight pages long from the Politico um, website, and um, obviously I've not read all ninety-eight pages, but there are certain sections that are highlighted and. Um, I'm going to summarize, but I'm also going to read a passage from it. It's basically saying that um, they think that Roe v. Wade um, wasn't... They're basically saying they don't think it was fought well in the courts. They're basically saying, like, this created an overreaching effect that has divided our country. And so I will read the passage now, and then me and Donna will talk about it. Um, One of the passages, it says, Roe's abuse of judicial authority... uh, Sorry. Um, Roe was egregious, egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak, and the decision has had damaging consequences. And far from bringing about a national settlement of the abortion issue, Roe and Casey have inflamed debate 
and deepen division. It is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representative. The permissibility of abortion and the limitations upon it are to be resolved like most important questions in our democracy by citizens trying to persuade one another and then voting. Yeah. And for some reason, I was telling Donna right before we recorded, for some reason that line, which that is a democracy, people persuading each other and then voting on those issues. It's so gross to me, especially when you think about how the Electoral College was built to keep black people as half a person because um, the South was had more people in it technically mm-hmm. um, during those times. It It's really disgusting to me to vote on the well-being and basic human rights of a group of people especially when like i said don and i will never be part of that group no and so like i have to have a like that's like a woman coming up to me a childbearing woman coming up to me being like um so hey um it'd be super cool if you could like you know help me with this yeah person who will never have to go through this yeah um yeah could you like maybe vote yes and then i have to care yeah it's gross it, it, it's incredibly gross and i've seen also in some instances in really like far right states they're even considering like they, they even have like laws ready that are banning ectopic pregnancies which are fatal for the person giving birth Oh, uh, there's no way around that. Ectopic pregnancies are something that cannot be like brought to fruition. Um, so it is in a lot of ways a death sentence for these people. And yeah, it's bringing us back to a time before modern medicine made pregnancies a little bit more safe. And they're still not even safe. No, today our our mortality rate is not really all that great. great. Yeah, I mean for for a so called developed country, which is such a elitist term anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, our our health is not great in that in that area. Our our resources aren't and. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely concerning that we're we're looking at making that even worse right now, um, especially yeah. with how broken our healthcare system is. Yeah, exactly. And on top of that, elected officials, even if everybody votes, like say the, and I know that this is a democracy. What a democracy actually is, like I said earlier. But even if everybody votes, it's still gross. Yeah. To take the rights away of somebody just because you think it's wrong, especially for people who men specifically, because I know that there are women who cannot obviously give birth. Mm-hmm. But when men are talking to women about this, it's really, really uncomfortable. Be like, well, you know, you shouldn't. And the argument that I always that I've heard a lot is like men go through um, the mental anguish of abortion, too. And yeah, sure, that probably should be measured in some capacity. But not with the absolute physical damage that happens from an abortion. Yeah, I so I actually I have a personal story about that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people know too that even in really progressive areas, you have obviously pretty rural communities, right? And those communities kind of decide what the environment is there, right? And so where mm-hmm. we're from, we didn't have any resources like Planned Parenthood or any clinics that. Um, were close that would really perform this procedure 
when I was in high school, I, um, there was a situation that, that resulted in pregnancy and, um, the person had to, um, drive like up to a few hours away to get resources to, um, terminate that pregnancy. Um, this was something that too, at the time I didn't really realize had happened. I didn't find out until later that it had happened. Mm. And so, yeah, the effects on me, it's not something that permanently scarred me. She Mm -hmm. had to deal with a lot worse in that situation than I ever did. Um, it is something that I've thought about would be a different course of my life, but it's not something that I feel like I should have had any say in. Right. You know, it, it was her decision and her sole decision for that. And, um, I really just don't think that we need people that, um, you know, can't get pregnant deciding for people who can and, uh, especially exercising their religious beliefs to do so yeah. because we're not a theocracy and no so <laughs> and many different by any means and you know ideologies. what the separation of church and state are just becoming words at this point Ooh, that's a good one that's a good one it's true yeah and it's so here's the part that actually is heartbreaking for me too that's like that kind of coincides with this is that I know a lot of people who've had an abortion mm-hmm. as well. And many of them have had difficulty because there's always that thing that follows closely behind where people are trying to defund Planned Parenthood. Then it also blocks access to get services from Planned Parenthood that are outside of an abortion. Cancer screenings. Yeah, I mean, like pregnancy tests, um, you know, condoms, things like that, women's health just across the board mm-hmm. um, or people's health across the board. And that is alarming to me because that's what that's what closely happens after this stuff kind of happens. And it's gross. Yeah, it's just gross. Yeah, it is. So I actually I wanted to read you. I don't know if you saw what I wrote online today, but I said. We're a country that has a large population that believes we should give state governments the ability to force pregnancy. And this is incredibly problematic. As I've always said, as a person who can never become pregnant, it's really uncomfortable to feel like I have a vote in electing people that can decide to strip the rights away from people who do have the ability to become pregnant. My vote has always been to let people decide for themselves because it's none of my business. Giving the option to the states to force people to become pregnant is inhumane and blessed be the fruit. Yeah. Yeah. That just kind of goes along with my handmaid. It does. It does. Yeah. Damn. It's just surreal to be kind of, to be living in this times. And um, it does make me very scared for what's next. It really, it does though. Like how can, how can we go so far forward and then so far backwards? Like what was Roe v. Wade was in the Mm seventies, I think. And 78, I think is it was. And like, so now, over 30 years later, um, for, 40 years later, or however math works, <laughs> we're 30 years later. We're starting to be in this zone to where now we're going to start going backwards. That just seems that's a long time to then start going backwards. Yeah. It's like literally we're on the iPhone 10. And it's like, you know what? I want a flip phone for the iPhone. One. Like that just it's it's weird to me and it's uncomfortable. But even to further that point further is. 
elected officials and I don't understand this concept of states. Like I've I've never really got it. The whole like state rights people tend to be people who are like who identify as libertarian and um are more to the right, you know? And um it's that whole idea, well, if you don't like it there then you can move to another state. It's not that easy it's, it's not that easy it's and it should not never that, be that easy simple. there there are so many poor people in rural communities and what are they can't afford to just pack up and go and i always you know and i love the map that we talked about during our election episode that said um land doesn't vote people no. do yeah like and i thought that that was a really clear indication that this because you know they ended under god later but it was supposed to be one nation indivisible like yeah and it just and it's not that like trying to push it back like donna said earlier all these states like are ready to go mm-hmm. with all of these things they're going to strip away everything that makes us human and there is another piece to this that we're going to get to after our break but when it comes to this side of the equation I encourage every single one of our listeners to get out there in your communities and vote. Um, a way to protest is always have, what is it called? Like the national, like you can get a lawyer. There's a number for like every city. There's like a lawyer's guild. Yeah. Uh, make sure you look up your lawyer's guild number um, to make sure you have it written on your arm. Just in case you do get arrested while you're protesting, never have identifying information on you, wear a mask, wear a hat, um, you know, stuff like that. Milk for tear, uh, you know, for your eyes and things like that, if things like that happen and make sure you're as safe as humanly possible and at least let not one person know where you're going. I definitely agree with most of that. I can, I can say that I think organizing is the most important thing that we can do right now. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely do. I feel like we voted and this is where it's gotten us. And I know that's a very pessimistic way of looking at it, but I feel like the most important thing that we can do as a people is to organize, unionize, and take the power back from these elites. Yeah, because they're the ones making the decisions for issues that will never affect them. Yeah. There's always that joke um, that comedians make that be like, oh, yeah, he has he had the money to pay for his mistress's abortion. You know, like there's just so many jokes about that. Yeah. Like because the – um, governmental elites like that's that that story comes from somewhere yeah, it does. like and it's it's true and it what that's also just what makes this so much more heartbreaking it's like how are you gonna <laughs> yeah that's the joke it's like how are you gonna get rid of abortions when you're the one who got one like last week yeah right? stuff like that it's because they they will always have ways the bourgeois class the the elite class the ruling class will always have ways always have a way of keeping us in the dark in a way that's really uncomfortable. Well, and of obtaining things and resources and things that we won't have access to. So this next part, before I get there, we're going to be talking about comparisons that were made in this note. Uh, but before I do that, Donna, yeah, how are you doing this evening? I'll let you know after this brief break. Drag Danger Zone is a monthly showcase featuring new and established performers every month, every fourth Thursday at Mississippi Pizza, located at 3552 North Mississippi Avenue. This fun cabaret variety show is hosted by Marla Darling, Valerie DeVille, and DJ Awara. For ticket info, find us on Instagram at Drag Danger Zone PDX or Facebook 
at Dry Danger Zone and get into the zone. The Dry Danger Zone, that is. Hey, are you kind of sick and tired of going downtown to watch quality drag shows? We're bringing you a specialty drag show to your neighborhood bar at the Montevilla Saloon. It is every last Sunday of the month at 7 o'clock p.m. So you can see downtown drag just in your backyard. Located at 8012 Northeast Gleason Street. Once again, that's 8012 Northeast Gleason Street. Be on the lookout for more information. It's a podcast with Coco and Donatella Podcast. Tune into what they tell you podcast with Coco and Donatella Podcast. Well, I am feeling incredibly political because even during the break, we were discussing politics and ideology. We were. So. We were um, talking about, and actually we'll just go with our current topic, is we were talking about, um, you know, conservatives and liberals and things like that and le- the left and right. And we were talking about what would have happened if Donald Trump was still in power when the Ukraine war had happened. Mm-hmm. And my comment that I made was that um, I think I think without a shadow of a doubt, Donald Trump wouldn't have imposed sanctions, wanted to impose sanctions. No, he would have tried to keep his um, finger out of it. And he probably would have gone the line is like, it's just none of our business. Well, and he was such a simp for Putin while he was in office that, of course, of course, he wouldn't have, you know, yep, he the situation would be a lot worse. And. We kind of got to this because we were. I was discussing with Coco that it's a lot. I think it's a lot lighter and easier for me as a leftist to have online dialogues with conservatives than it was for me when I was a liberal and I would like take their attacks on the politicians I was supporting personally. Because now I don't. Now I now I've been able as a leftist to separate myself from these politicians that I used to support, and it's like I understand that people are frustrated and as we should be because the ruling class is fucking us all over um so it's about like trying to find common ground in those conversations and like my first thing is to be like yeah fuck joe biden but like also fuck all other politicians as well including your daddy trump you know yeah including (laughs) your daddy trump no and it's true because i so i the only thing i ever get offended on is um when people say like well biden is no better is what also kills me not because of political affiliations but because don and i are part of marginalized communities that were being like just raked over the coals during trump's presidency so like regardless of what trump did for literally anything else in his presidency it was really hard to feel safe as an american um actually not even as american as a person it was while trump was in office so like i the thing is like f biden sure all day long yes However, like when people were like, well, you know, like he's just as bad. And I was like, you could talk about that in the sense of political affiliations and stuff like that. But when it comes to marginalized communities, mama, like there's a difference. For sure. I, I think that was a lot of the reason, too, why I wanted to be as active during Biden's campaign and with the DNC, unfortunately, as I was. Because if you go back and listen to our episodes around election time, yeah, I'm talking about the election and I'm talking about getting Biden in office over Trump because of how bad things were. Because it was really that bad. Yeah, it was really that bad. You know, and we're seeing that now with how this Supreme Court decision has. Yeah, I, I, I do appreciate the fact that um, 
Katanji in the sense of like that was a really monumentous moment for black individuals as a whole to have a black woman sitting at the supreme sitting at the highest court of the land but also she is she's moderately conservative and like i and that's not necessarily a bad thing mm-hmm. however because those me and donna talked about this before the episode those positions are appointed right and like we're not voting for those people yeah. like so we also talked about getting back to the main topic of this episode is that I don't actually, I'm beginning to feel, and sorry if this feels really like dread talk, I'm beginning to feel like the system is a little bit too broken yeah. to be fixed by electing, um, I was going to say the Moderates. correct, um, I was going to, but just electing officials in general. Yeah. I don't, Yeah. I, I'm not saying that I'm against democracy. What I'm saying is the system isn't getting better. No. So something has to change because our elected officials are not doing the things that they need to do to make us feel safe. So I am becoming one of those people who classic phrase, burn it down and rebuild. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling that way in a lot of ways. And it's, it sucks because anytime we have a, because, okay, also here's this, the left, the far left in America is still considered centrist in places like Europe. Wow. So even candidates like Sanders and candidates or congresswomen like AOC, mm-hmm. those people are still considered centrist in Europe. Wow. So think about that and also look at the fact that any time a candidate like Bernie, like Elizabeth Warren, um, is put up as a potential candidate for president or to actually really hold, you know, any significant power, they are lambasted, not only yeah. by the right, but also by liberals. And yeah. so it's like, if we can't get progressive light i'm gonna say progressive light because that's america you know right, if we light. can't even get progressive light candidates to hold these positions in office to represent us and really get us these rights secure our rights and also work towards really helping the working class then what are what faith are we supposed to have in the system right you know no and we and the thing is we can't and the other thing too is like nobody's actually really happy either yeah. like actually well i will say that homegrown trump supporters were pretty darn happy yes um i i will say that that community from january 6th they were pretty dang happy yeah right they they that's why they revolt like that was why they were storming the capitol but like here's the other thing with this like and this is this is what also sucks about being a leftist or a liberal in this capacity is that we're our own worst enemy this is the other thing don and i were talking about is because we can't agree like about how extreme or non-extreme or how violent, non-violent, how we demonstrate, how we protest, our message, our image. Like, like people were like, we were, we named, it's funny, we actually were talking about this specific scenario. When Biden was up, like when Biden was running, yes, Donna was trying to help this person get into office, but there were plenty of progressives in Portland alone who were just like, no, F that person, F that person. And then I would be like, you haven't told any of your followers who to vote for. Mm-hmm. You're just saying F Biden. Yeah. I was like, and you're not saying like, and then, or, or you get the thing with uh, liberals or progressives where they just won't vote. Yeah. Like, they're just like, you know what? I'm just not going to vote. And they won't even like choose a third party candidate. Like they'll just not vote because they feel like it's helpless. So I do feel like progressive and progressives and liberals sometimes shoot themselves in the foot because they sit so much on their morals that they can't move forward. 
Yeah. And I think there's a difference to then sitting on your morals and like having a complete lack of faith in the system um, as well. Because I agree. I, I agree with that. Yeah. I, as a leftist who was, um, who was doing everything I could to try and not have Trump be in power anymore. Um, definitely did roll my eyes plenty of times when I had to meet with the DNC and hear what they were saying, because it yeah. is, you know, like I said before, I think a lot of what liberals say is it's they're there for the symbol, but not for the actual call to action, not for the actual change. Um, as long as they can, you know, hold that symbol and feel self-righteous, then that's kind of, I think a lot of the liberal ideology and I may get a lot of flack for this because I think a lot of liberals listen to us, but <laughs> I actually, yeah, I think so. <laughs> but I, you know, at the same time I have to like, I have to say, and I'm, I'm probably not helping, helping with the division by um, calling liberals out like this, but at the same time, I think that we need to work together and look at things that we can both benefit from. And we all do recognize that this is class warfare that's happening right here, right now. Yes. You know, um, so what steps can we take to make it to where the elites are no longer just completely crushing us like they have been? And making all of our decisions for us. Yeah. On top of the fact that I told Donna that I think also checking ego is really important because remember, I actually think that some liberals especially neoliberals these days would say like, no, we're not all fighting for the same thing. Yeah. Like, which I don't think is true. I really don't. I think that if you have, if you get down to the simplistic term of what you're wanting, like I want equality and equity. Yeah. Like, can we all agree to that? It's like, yes. Okay, cool. Then a very close thing falling behind that is be like, do we want a system that holds those values? Yeah. It's like, yes. It's like, okay. Then like it's, yeah. it's like it's like you have to start at ground ground zero sometimes and like I really think it comes down to especially in activism just checking your ego a little bit like putting your voice behind a cause that's close um, as much as you can because when you have like thirty grassroots organizations that are all getting those resources from the same group of people like this is like literally the goal of economics is to allocate scarce resources efficiently and effectively and we can't do that if you're going to have a thousand different grassroots organizations that are pulling from the same community and fighting for the same cause when if you had one big group of people with a million people in it instead of like a million separate groups that has the ability to create bigger change because there's more voices for that one cause like that th for some reason i think that that's why that line um from the brief was basically saying like yeah the way that we get things done is you know I have to convince every single person to agree with me. And then we vote people in that way. And that feels wrong. It just, for some reason, it just feels wrong. Yeah. You mean I can't start when I'm having these conversations with abolish the government, decentralize the state and give all the power to the workers. <laughs> <laughs> I can't start these conversations that way, Coco. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? <laughs> God. It's not the biggest like party conversation to have with people i get that you definitely do i i agree with everything that you're saying by the way i think in order to have these conversations not even just with conservatives when you're trying to talk about this stuff but with other people on the left you really have to kind of just like lead them in with crumbs kind of like breadcrumb them yeah um and it's these conversations are i think something that can happen by talking about the material conditions of what's going on in all of our lives right now well and then trying to make it apply to people and this is what kills me i try to make a um a political decision apply to a person who you know it's affecting them um 
the mental gymnastics, and we've had this conversation before, the mental gymnastics that people will have to be able to keep their values instead of just like, what, okay, so let me back up. When I say check ego, what that actually means is for people who get confused by that is just being open to the idea that your worldview could maybe use a nudge yeah, in any direction. I don't mean left or right. I mean any direction. Like, just check your ego and leave space to have, like, difficult conversations or even light conversations about subjects that you're unfamiliar with or something that you have a hard stance on. Like, because that's how change gets created. Yeah. Like, because I think we're becoming a people who are just so stuck in our dang ways that literally, I think also that's why that line is gross, trying to convince somebody, but we're just stuck in our ways now. Yeah. Especially with a Trump presidency making everybody feel so guarded. Yeah. Like, now people don't want to budge and they don't even want to talk about their values or views anymore. I rarely hear people talking about politics and activism anymore out in the community. I, I, I definitely understand that. And I think for the longest time up until recently, I was very much so the same way. Um, I've become very unpopular on Facebook since all I do now is like share leftist memes. <laughs> like people, turns out people don't really love that. They like, you know, like the cute life updates a lot more than like, yeah, this is what's, you know, this is what I believe in. This is what's going on with our world. Wake up everyone. Um, well, and Facebook shadow bans me like constantly. And I know people would say like, no, they're not shining. They're absolutely shadow banning me. Any post that I have that includes the word black, or BLM, or white, mm. I get shadow banned. Period. Like, two people see those posts. I I made a post about Roe v. Wade and about SCOTUS last night, and I tagged that, and um, I didn't have any likes, so I just, like, hid the post from my page because it, it didn't get any interaction or attention. Mine, uh, so Adam has an alert for me and I uh -huh. think Kitty Carryall does in the community. Uh -huh. Those were the, like the only two people that had liked my post at first. Um, that one I read you today. Yeah. And I think even now, uh, it has a total of six likes on it. Damn. I have 5,000 friends on Facebook and it has six likes on it and there wasn't anything too inflammatory in there, but I do no. think I used the word abortion. Uh, um, that and, would be it. and that would be I actually I used the word pregnancy. I think that's what probably Facebook was like. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Like it's kind of scary how like they're policing us. Yeah. And they're and policing that, the algorithm. I mean, this makes it even harder to organize, though, too, because like, how are you supposed to when people can't find this information? And also, by the way. Let's talk about it. All the all the billionaires that are controlling our social media don't want us to organize. They don't want us to. Yeah, they don't. Oh, of course not. No, absolutely not. Because it would mean it would mean their downfall if we organized and if we if we were successful. tried to redistribute redistri the the wealth. You know, um, we've been hinting about it in the first half of the episode, but I think we need to talk about why this is a queer issue with the Supreme Court. Actually, um, I was draft. Gonna, yeah, I was actually going to switch gears to that. Yeah. Um, I do have a couple of articles pulled up, but basically, if you read a lot of the brief, um, it talks about, it keeps making references to Oberfell v. Hodges, which gave us the right to legally marry as queer people. Same-sex marriage, actually. Mm -hmm. Listed same-sex marriage. And then Lawrence v. Texas is, <laughs> and actually, I think it's like actually written like the right to engage in same-sex acts. Yeah. 
In private. In private. Um, and so, and Donna actually has her quote written up. So we'll start with that and then we'll talk yeah, about it. Yeah, so in Alito's draft, these two cases were referenced. And he says that, like abortion, these decisions protect phony rights that are not deeply rooted in history. And, and when reading the brief, it is basically saying, it makes reference in the sense of, let me see, this reads as, Unable to show concrete resilient uh, reliance on Roe and Casey themselves, the Solicitor General suggests that overruling those decisions would threaten the court's precedents holding that uh, the due process clauses protects other rights for the United States. And then it references those two cases, but Ben basically says at the end of it is like, and to ensure that our decision is not misunderstood and mischaracterized, we emphasize that our decision concerns the constitutional right to abortion and no other right. Nothing in this opinion should be understood to cast doubt on precedents that do not concern abortion. And Bullshit. that is what they're, so they're basically just saying they're like, so these other precedents that we've set like are also kind of funky, but just let you, just to make everybody get on board with what we're talking about, we're just talking about abortion, just FYI. We're not like, and they're basically trying to hint at us, which I think is a lie. They're, oh, I can finally use it. They're gaslighting us. Is they what's are. happening. They are. They're gaslighting us into thinking that they're only talking about abortion and they're only making reference to those cases. So we should all get in line because they're, but what really is happening to take the wool off of our eyes is they're going to eventually come for those things. They will. That's not paranoia, people. That no. is literally, if they keep referencing it, then it's coming. Referring to them as phony rights with no historical precedence. Like, yeah. are you, f I don't want to cuss again, but <laughs> it just is so infuriate, infuriating to see that because why else would you specifically reference cases that affect queer rights? Yes. Why else? And they're basically trying to say the courts. Are, so what they're trying to say is, is that these cases had far reaching effects that divided the country. And so we need to look at them and especially examine to see if they were fought well in court and then also to potentially overrule them um, over. Sorry, overturn the decisions because of. There's no constitutional precedence to these rights or constitutional. Um, there's nothing in the Constitution about these rights. And so they're like, why? Why did we do this decision? That's why I should go back to the states, because the Supreme Court is always trying to say that the states are allowed. To make decisions on rights, we don't do that. We listen to cases and set precedents as necessary. And that's what's really, really gross about this. So. What do you think the ramifications of all of this are going to be? So I think what's going to happen is, um, actually, I think that this is worse than what people are immediately assuming. Yeah. It's going to be a lot worse. Um, there are going to be so many lawyers that are galvanized to be able to create, to make this change and bring it all the way back up to the Supreme court, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, they're going to lose – they're going to, like – there's going to be some smart lawyers who are going to go to, um, you know, the state Supreme Courts and just, like, keep going. up. I really do believe it's just going to be the same process over again mm -hmm. where very smart lawyers who – and the people are going to be they're, – they're even going to do it pro bono, I bet, because this is just – this is so egregious in its own right. Yeah. 
Like they use the word against Roe v. Wade. I'm thinking I'm using it in the sense of this stupid against these five conservative justices that are the ones that brought this up. You know, it's Alito that drafted this opinion, but um, those five specifically. Well, and I'm heartbroken because it doesn't make sense. But to answer Donna's question specifically, what I actually think will happen is that very soon after this um, is when they're going to go for same-sex marriage. Um, I really do. I think that, like, most people feel that that should have belonged with the states. And I will say this, and I think... I've never said this out loud before, but I think because of the Colorado governor right now, that same-sex marriage might have gotten there now. Mm -hmm. But when I was in a long-term relationship, like, this is probably, like, what, 10 years ago, um, same-sex marriage, like, I looked it up online for Colorado, and it was nowhere close. No no grassroots organizations were pushing it enough. Like, it just, just wasn't. It just wasn't – it was a pipe dream, honestly. I was I was in Colorado doing LGBT lobby days when I was in college. And so our big push for One Colorado, which was the organization that was lobbying for great gay rights and right. was – our sole focus was civil unions. Yeah. And then it wasn't until there was some momentum towards equality through the courts that – it became a possibility, you know, that marriage right. equality became a possibility. But we were going to focus on civil unions and civil unions only because it, marriage equality was so out of our scope of, of it being able because to happen. Because it just wasn't, it was never going to happen. I think it would have happened today. So 35 is when it may have, may or may not have happened. But the other thing with this is people are not going to take kindly to the Supreme Court consistently ripping away the rights and the freedoms that people have come to enjoy, especially when those rights and freedoms are not hurting anyone. And I know that people would say abortion is hurting an unborn child, but the reality of that situation is too. be like, you also have to keep in mind that there are more parties involved with that. But when it comes to same sex marriage, like that's not hurting anybody. You just don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's just, you, you just it's don't the like same it. people that are, that are, um, these pro-lifers. And you know what? I, I think the biggest cop-out and the, the worst thing with these people is that it is the easiest thing to sit there and defend the rights, in air quotes, of something that cannot talk or speak for itself. And I will even throw out there the age-old comparison that, yeah, they seem to really care about those unborn children, but they definitely don't care about those kids in cages. Yeah, and they don't care about the kids once they're kids, once yeah, they're that, out there living. Yeah, like, they're not, like, I love those videos where somebody's like, oh, do, uh, how many kids have you adopted? Yeah. Oh, I, I haven't adopted any. I have two of my own. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Oh, so do you support social services that will help these kids that are living in poverty? Do you support these programs that will lift them out? Or do you think that they're getting uh, you handouts? Know, handouts. Will you call it handouts? Yeah. And then and then and I love the videos. They're like, oh, well, I have a friend of mine like she's a single mom and whatever. Like, can you give her like 50 bucks and whatever? Like and like and then people are like, well, she cho-, like they these are the same people that say she chose to have the kid. Yeah. Like they'll be against abortion, but she chose to have the kid backwards as hell. I just 
And there are way too many kids in adoption right now. And also keep in mind that they are making it still super hard for same-sex couples to have children. I mean, to get, uh, to adopt children. Comey Barrett's response I saw was that there should be, like, safe haven laws to where um, unwed mothers can just drop their kids off at these, like, orphanages or places that adoption agencies and stuff like that, that there needs to be these laws and that would solve a lot of our problems. It's like, no, the foster care system and adoption agencies are overrun. Like we can't, you know, like we still have so many, there's not enough money going into those places and not enough resources. Like, I don't like the thing is like Don and I are pretty like socially aware. I have no desire to be a social worker and it's not even because of the work sorry i'm the workload i have no desire to spend my life um in a system i do think that that system needs a lot of repairs i don't think it's broken but it needs a lot of repairs and there's not enough people to do it and i think that that to improve those systems leads to a lot of and actually i'll even be more straight with it even if i lose listeners for this I could never feel I don't want to ever feel responsible that I didn't do my job well enough as a caseworker or a social worker to where my kid like trigger warnings for all this, like complete suicide or, you know, doesn't go through like like I put them in a bad home or I don't vet parents well enough for the foster care, like the foster parents or whatever, or I'm not paying attention to when I'm doing home visits with their bio mom and like she's still on crack or something like like all of these really negative scenarios. Yes. I know. But at the same time, I also just don't think I, in my heart, if I ended up in that scenario that I would be able to just sleep it off the next day. Like, Oh, my kid's back in the system because it turned out that her mom was still with that abusive boyfriend, but she hit it on our home visit. Yeah. Right. And I just, cause all that story, all those stories that I've said are things that have actually happened in my life. Cause my mom was a foster care provider. Yeah. Like, and I don't think I could ever have the heart to deal with those stories. And I don't even know how people can. So like, it's just, like, so when people are like, yeah, let's like put your kid up for adoption and put them in those systems. Not everybody gets the perfect fairy tale ending with the no. great parents, like it or the great foster parents. Like no. it just doesn't happen. And so like you can't bare bones for this long speech is you can't guarantee that child a good life. And I know they would say, but so we're refusing them a chance at a good life. Be like, there's a difference. If you can't promise it, then it's up to that parent to decide, that expectant mother to decide, that person to decide if they have the resources available to them to be able to do those things. Yeah. And taking away their chance or their choice just feels wrong. Yeah, it does. It does. And it would be a whole different story if the material conditions of our society were a lot better. But yeah. they're not. Actually, you know what? That's a really good point. They're not. If the world was a little bit different and and it made it to where – the environments around being pregnant and the support and the taboo culture. I think I told you this once, actually, this is a good story for this episode. Um, and they don't listen to the podcast and I won't say names, but they will definitely know who it is. Cause I disagreed with the decision. Um, I had a, f- I had friends who were LDS. Yeah. Latter-day Saints for listeners, Mormons. And, uh, they're, I think 17-year-old kid, 17 or 18-year-old kid. Uh, um, I think, no, it wasn't even pregnancy. 
it was literally they had uh, sex before marriage. And the parents of both groups, because they were both LDS, forced the kids to get married. Um, and so this story was like, this would have been like maybe four or five years ago at this yeah. point. So we live in a world still, even in the United States, where we have those kind of decisions. And that's what leads to, like, let's say she did get pregnant or whatever. That's what leads to those stories of back alley abortions. Yeah. And and things like that when people are like, oh, no, 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 I would help them with I would help them on their way. It's like, no, you won't, because you're not going to pay for all her care and all her needs and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And her parents are going to definitely force her to get married or some BS like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just a really, really gross scenario, in my opinion. Yeah, it's incredibly gross. I yeah, I can't believe that. <sighs> yeah. So I want to talk about something a little bit positive on this note, too. Yeah. Is um, I think it's really important to recognize that if to have conversations that are difficult with people in your life, not at work, obviously, but have diff- difficult conversations with people in your life to let them know that these issues affect you the way that when I was running BLM in Grand Junction, Colorado, that we would get people to change their minds is by sharing our stories. Yeah. Telling. So a lot of queer people do listen to our podcast, telling people that, hey, they made a lot of references to our basic rights in this abortion note thing. Like, so, like, we need to pay attention. Yeah, basically, we just need to pay attention and we need to share our stories and tell every single person that you know. Because, yeah, the Met Gala is taking every single thing on my timeline is Met Gala right That's now. That's all I'm seeing right now. It's so incredibly frustrating. And yeah, and it's, and like nobody, the same people are not talking about it. And of course, they might be talking about it. They might be getting shadow banned like the rest of us. Yeah, like, they could be. <laughs> I, and, that, and that's the thing too, is like as frustrated as I am about all the Met Gala posts, I don't want to like rain on someone's parade and be like, there are more important things going on. What are you doing? Yeah. But also, isn't it so freaking ironic that the gilded age is the theme of the met gala Mm -hmm. like what a celebration of elitism and fucking bourgeois society as all of us are wondering if we're going to make our next meal you know if we're if we'll be able to make enough to make to have our next meal seriously i want to i want to like get in drag and go like a character from the handmaid's tale so right now because that's how i look right now yeah and go (laughs) demonstrate to be a part of a demonstration tonight yeah um because I am, I'm just as mad as Donna, and I'm trying to not come off um, as super polarizing. Yeah. Um, I was told recently, as a side note, that I, I thought, okay, in my twenties, I was very polarizing. Mm-hmm. We usually all are. Yeah. I My soapbox traveled in my car. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was emotional too. Oh God. Reactive. Reactive. <laughs> reactive. And I was told recently that I'm still incredibly polarizing, and mm-hmm. I. And I said, really? And they're like, yeah, like you have very strong views on things. And I said, do I have strong views or do I argue my view well? And they said, what's the difference? (laughs) And I was like, well, because my views are usually based on an identifier that I belong to. And so it's strong because I had to learn to talk to somebody who doesn't have my identifiers and get them to change their mind. So that way when they had a ballot in front of them, they'd be like, Oh, Coco said 
X, Y, and Z, so yeah. I'm going to vote in favor of that or, thing she told me to. Coco's a person that I know, and now I have humanized this identity. Yeah. And so maybe I can vote differently. Maybe I can support this this time, you know? Absolutely. It's it's what you were going back to saying with those conversations, you know? It's about having these conversations with people and also understand understanding, like you said before, that you can't just dive right into your ideology because other others will think it's extreme and a lot of the times may not even understand where you're coming from well and it's funny because donna and i are technically extremists in our views yeah but we've been through this game a long time and like and we that's why we can even do this podcast without like screaming at the top of our lungs is because we know that you even our listeners are going to receive it better yeah if we're like talking to you like your people because you are people We've both been activists for a long time. I mean, my activism started in college when, and that's when my worldview really shifted because at that point I had, you know, I wasn't really talking with my family. I was getting educated. I saw a really, really good meme today that was like, is it that all of these professors and uh, educators in college are indoctrinating our kids or is it that they're finally getting the education to see past the indoctrination that they were raised with and it was like yes that's exactly what it is wow it's you don't vilify the people who are giving you knowledge you know the more you read the more you learn around the world if you travel if you go other places you develop a more worldly view and you shouldn't punish people for that you shouldn't punish people for seeking out knowledge and realizing that we can do better. Oof. Oof. You shouldn't punish people for singing, seeking out knowledge, knowing that we can do better. Yeah. Yeah, I, I fully agree. Gosh, that's life-changing. I... So as we get to the end of our episode, listeners, just remember this, too. Like... No matter if you're, because I have plenty of stories about this, about people and their spouses, like just not like a lot of wives, I will say it's usually in my life. So this is anecdotal, not necessarily a majority problem. Like wives will just agree with their husbands on issues because they don't have these disagreements and arguments. Have the disagreements, have the arguments. It's important for the safety and security of the common man. And I know that you don't want to have like waves in your life. But these issues are so important because I can tell you right now, there's a lot of people hurting in our country right now because of this 98 page letter. There's going to be even more people in our country who are hurt if they try to overturn marriage equality or the sodomy laws, which is weird that they keep referencing that one. Yeah. Um, just remember that not every single person in your life looks the same, acts the same, has the same identifiers, gender race, sexual orientation, and romanticism. So just remember that we're all different people and we're all just trying to live and be happy and try to live our life the best way that we can. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to sum it up. Also organize. Do what you can. <laughs> Do what you can to to fight this. You know, show them that we aren't going to back down. And then if you want to come yell at us about it, um, this <laughs> this evening, uh, you can catch us at the Queen's Head from 6 to 9 p.m. I think 6 to 8 p.m. at yeah. the Queen's Head, Portland. 
um, we're going to actually probably be talking with Astrid, um, our special guest, about some of these issues as well. Yeah. So make sure to come out and have community conversations. Uh, if you want to look up the event online, I think it's called Pre-Recorded Queer Conversations and Community Discussions, is I think is what yep. I called it. Um, it's a part of Gem of a Secret Podcast Live. We, of course, love meeting our listeners and our fans. Um, yeah, come talk with us. Yeah, please do. I think that's it, everybody. That's it. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of a Gem of a Secret Podcast. The hosts of A Gem of a Secret Podcast are Donna and Coco Gem Holiday. You can follow Donna at Donatella underscore my secrets on Instagram. You may follow Coco Gem Holiday at Coco Gem Holiday on Instagram. Original music by Touche Douche and Party Favors. You can follow them respectively at Touche Likes Beef and Party Favors Music on Instagram. For more content, Follow them online at www.ajemofasecretpodcast.com. That is www.ajemofasecretpodcast.com.